Hello guys, welcome to Tales of Transformation. Today we have a very awesome guest, his name's Shazad, and uh, Shazad has got an incredible story. High school dropout from Pakistan, teachers told him he's never going to succeed, but he did, uh, and he succeeded massively. So he's um, a member of the Young Presidents Organization, and if you go on their website, you're going to see that just to be a part of it, your company's turn over 20 million a year. Um, so to say she's out of succeeding at business is, you know, putting things lightly. But from, you know, high school dropout, you know, he's, you know, he's, he's attended Harvard, Stanford, London Business School, and, uh, you know, he's got a real thirst to learn. So, um, Shazad, welcome. How are you doing? I'm good, Patrick. Good to see you. Yeah, good, 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 good to be here. And yeah. um, Shazad, do you mind telling us what are you working on at the moment? So currently, um, I have a, an investment company. It's called Eltec Investments. And what we do at Eltec Investments is catch founders when they are at the ideation stage and help them build their business. So looking mostly at technology businesses. So a typical founder will approach us with an idea and they're looking for an investment. But rather than just giving them money like a passive investor, we become an active investor. Meaning we don't make the decisions for them, but we help them not make the common mistakes early stage founders make. So this way, our involvement is higher. I'm not sure about the statistic is correct or not, but they say apparently 90% businesses fail in the first two years. And uh, it's easy to start a business. Back in the day, you to start a business, uh, if you're a tech business, you had to buy a server. And this server alone would cost you 10 grand, 15 grand, and to make a website and do all these things was expensive. Today, you can go on Amazon Web Services, sign up for a free account, go to Wix, make a website, do your testing really quickly under 500 pounds. Um, or if you're building a product, it's, it's much cheaper than, than it used to be. So founders can start businesses and keep testing really quickly, which is really good. So we should see more successes. Uh, and more people try it, there are more, people, more failures, but there are more successes too. And Shazad, just for everyone at home, like, would you mind telling people about your story? Because as in, uh, you know, as I, I've known you for many years now, and I think it's very inspiring. As in, as in, uh, yeah, and that's really why I wanted to have you on. As in, um, just because you didn't have like, there's a lot of people out there who are making multi millions, but they went to Oxford, they went to Cambridge, or they, you know, they did these things, and and they had. It feels like they had a lot of the advantages in life, um, but it didn't seem like that was the case for you. Okay, so there are two pieces here. One is, I was playing around with the story. That what is the story I tell myself? Because normally, the story we tell ourselves is not the full story. It's the edited version story which we tell ourselves. We remove all the negatives and the downsides and the emotions from there. So I'll give you the full story, uh, not the one which has only had peaks. Right. Um, secondly... Um, your, your second question is about the how can someone with disadvantages succeed? I think my advantage was the disadvantage. Uh, so I look back. Um, so I'll begin myself. So I grew up in Pakistan in a very progressive family, Muslim family, but very progressive. Uh, in fact, I learned about more more religious extremism when I moved to the UK. Pakistan was, <laughs> growing, growing up in Karachi was really fun. Like. I had more girlfriends in Pakistan than here. <laughs> uh, I'm a parent, so I think I, it was, it was, but I, again, just to, just to be clear, it's a country of 200 million people. 
I grew up in a in, in a very progressive city called Karachi, coastal city, and my my parents had a restaurant, a uh, very famous restaurant in Pakistan in Karachi, and um, so I, I saw wealth in the house, but I think I saw my father's wealth was declining as I was growing older, and by the time it was my age to go abroad, but people normally do, there was no money in the house, so I was like okay. And um, I have to go out and make it myself because all my friends were going to colleges, they were going to US or coming to UK and I was just, I'd done my O-levels and I, then I found a job. So my first job was working in a company called Dow Jones. So Dow Jones is an international company but in Pakistan they used to install these satellite systems and my first salary was 3,000 rupees and I was 16. 3,000 rupees in today's word is 20 pounds. Maybe less than that. So, uh, Things have changed a little bit, huh? Yeah. And again, but I grew up with this whole, you know, this 16-year-old who wants to make it big and uh, that stereotypical, I want to buy a Rolex watch and I want to drive a Mercedes, which was the idea of success and wealth installed in, 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 in myself growing in Pakistan. Yeah, then worked in Pakistan for a few years. Um, I remember back in the days, Microsoft had come up with a certification program called MCSC, Microsoft Certified Systems Engineer. And I didn't want to go to college. So I enrolled in that certification course and became a Microsoft Certified Engineer. While I was studying, they said, hey, we think you're a good teacher. Why don't you teach? I was 17 year old. It's funny. I, I think I look back now. I was like, wow. And I was teaching networking essentials to people. Back in the day, I mean, this is Microsoft NT 3.51, if you know what that was. We had just recently come up with computers with and, and using a, a mouse and a keyboard, right? Um, and I was working in the networks, and I was, I was loving it. And my whole career option was I'm going to become a telecommunications expert. Uh, lived a few years like that, and then there was an opportunity to work, come to London. So I arrived in England in 1999, 2001, and I was so full of myself <laughs> so full of myself uh, I was like ah I, I'm an MCSE it was a rare thing to be an MCSE and I was 19 year 20 year old and an MCSE at that age was in a step you know it was a chip on my shoulder and I thought well I can easily find a job worth five six thousand pounds a month um, and uh, I'll buy a house and then I'll buy a car and I think really fine and this is how people become successful in the UK or the US uh, well no one gave me a job Right, so I did not get any job, no no job interviews either. Uh, my visa was uh, I was here on a visit visa, so I could not even do anything about it. So I realized I have, and I and by the way, when I left, I told my dad I'll never come back to you because you're an unsuccessful person. I'm going to be successful, and my dad told me, trust me, you'll come back to me because you won't make it. And uh, so I'm, I'm I find myself in England. No one's hiring me. And uh, all this thing I've built about myself, that I am this IT expert and networking essentials and all that stuff, this is not turning out to be beneficial at all. And I have never cleaned toilets. I have never washed my clothes. I have never ironed my clothes. I have. I have never done anything on my own. And now I'm in the UK with no money, visa, which is a visit visa, and uh, with a qualification, which I, which I thought will find me a job, and I'm, I'm at zero. At that time, I remember walking into Royal Holloway, University of London, at Egham, and they had a program in information security. 
called uh, MS in Information Security. Um, I wanted to learn cryptography and information security and, and pursue a career in that. So I went and I asked them to enroll me. And they said, well, I don't have a bachelor's degree. So I wrote them a personal statement and uh, they interviewed me and they gave me a position in, MC, in the, the MSc program uh, without a bachelor's degree. So you were at 20? This was a 20. Yeah, this was 20. Oh, so you, you, you skipped steps. Uh, yeah, I, I skipped the whole bachelor's degree thing. Right. And uh, then, uh, but I had no money. So I went to the bank. <laughs> I went to the bank. I said, I need a loan. I need a loan for to do a degree. And they said, I, I, and what visa are you on? I'm visit visa. He said, are you crazy? <laughs> so I got turned down. I asked friends and everyone for money. My dad didn't have the money to give me. It was 12,000 pounds at that time. And uh, so I flew back to Pakistan. I changed my visa into a student visa. Came back. Went to Royal Holloway. And found a job as a security guard. There was a company called Securicore, which is now G4S. Uh, they gave me a job uh, as a security guard, uh, night security guard at a petrol station in Leytonstone. So uh, that was my night job, nine pound an hour, which was not that bad of it at that time for me. And the, I was work all night and then the morning drive from there to Egham, but pass out in the class. And my idea of learning was really an intimate setting, not sitting in a lecture hall with 400 people and someone giving a lecture. So very, very quickly I realized I cannot sustain that kind of lifestyle of working at night and then going, going to university and attending a class and then sleeping for a few hours and doing that again. So I dropped out, which was not good because I didn't want to drop out. I had high expectations there. Uh, and I kept working as a security guard. And I'd accepted that this is my life now. I'm not going to go back to Pakistan because my father's going to laugh at me. Uh, I have forgotten all the IT stuff I had learned back in the days. And just when I was my lowest of the lowest times, a friend of mine appeared. And he's like, hey. And I remember back in the days, they would call me Shazi the Ping. Because, you know, you would you do a ping request in a networking essentials. Yeah. And my, there was my, you know, nomdi hack, Shazi Ping. And he said, what are you doing here? I said, um, I'm a security guard. He's like, no, you are an IT expert. I said, no, 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 no. That was past life. In this life, I'm a security guard. I totally accepted. And I was in a peaceful Ooh. place, by the way. Yeah. And that's the time I wrote, I, I read this book, by the way. So I, was, I remember I used to go to, I used to travel from my house to Leytonstone. And my house was in Kingsbury. So I would take a few trains and arrive there. And I would read, I started reading. So the first book I ever read was Celestial Prophecy. Really, I don't remember much of it, but I remember that was like really in a different angle. It was more about energy. Then the second book I read was um, The Art of Happiness by Dalai Lama. And that was a transformational book for me because I learned to be peaceful with my security guard job. And uh, that, guard, that job taught me a lot because I, I was not very confident talking to people. I come from Pakistan. I could speak English, but it was not talking to people. I became more assertive in that role. After a year of that, when my friend arrived and he said, let me find you a job. So he arranged an interview for me in a property company in Kentish town, where we are right now, in 2004. I, I remember I had a very old suit and my trousers were short, kind of short. <laughs> Right, but I, that was the only suit I had for old suit from Pakistan. I I, I, t I turned up for an interview, and 
and they said okay cool we'll get back to you they got back to me and they gave me a job as their network administrator slash facilities manager for a property company which was a much respectable job than the security guard job i was doing especially today i don't think like that but coming from pakistan i would i was ashamed of being a security guard and this job was okay cool this is my career this is this is what i've learned so far and this is my career path and she said you kind of became an unlikely hero to security guards you know guys shazad has had half a million customers yeah yeah a so, few of them are security guards right we we'll talk about that we'll so talk, sorry. we we'll talk about that how how that's that job by the way helped right and this is for the listeners it's so important there's a beautiful lesson in here um if you can learn something from this so that job my it job started formally but i didn't resign from my security job because i was so fearful i said i know i'll get fired from here so why should i leave my security guard job so on the weekends i'd still do the security guard job and five days a week i i was the it guy here and my boss uh, at that time his name was robert steinhaus really good guy and he i was really inspired by him so he had this small business 30 employees and i would look at him and i was like this is great this guy had one idea and he starts his property company and today he pays mortgages for 30 people so i saw that this his 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 idea and his courage to go and start a business helps not only himself to live his life but also other people who are who he, he's created a job for 30 people i really was inspired at that time with the idea that look he's created a job for 30 people and while i was working with him um he was also training to become a nlp coach at that time and this is 2004 and he put me on a course first course he put me i was terrible at time management terrible i would never turn up on time never i was always 15 minutes late and and i remember they taught me they put me in a time management course they they could have fired me they could trust me they could have fired me but they they, they kept me there and then he put me on an nlp course and i remember being on the nlp course there was a question which changed everything in 2005 in the nlp course uh which was a free course funded by my company they didn't have to send me there but they did uh they said shahzad can you fly a plane i said no i can't so if i ask all the listeners here as well can you fly a plane some of you are pilots so you can exclude yourself but you, the answer comes to you is no i can't and he said no you can you don't know how to so and that was the first time i became aware of a belief that and he explained it to me very clearly that i asked you a skill level question and you answered me from your identity i can't no you can you don't know how to any how to can be learned and from that day i realized and then the next question he asked me is who are you oh that was the easiest question and the most difficult question i've ever faced and he said who are you and this this is a simple model if someone wants to check it out it's called the um is the it's the nlp basic model if you google there you'll find out the, the, the question he asked me was who are you and i said um i'm shazad he's like that's your name you can call yourself joe but you're still you i said okay i'm a man he's like that's your sexual orientation i said i'm pakistani he's like that's a nationality given to you he said okay uh, i said i'm an it engineer he's like that's your profession but who are you and i had no answer I had no answer. He's like keep thinking. He left it there. He's like keep thinking. But what I learned from that exercise is I can be whoever I want to be because I can learn whatever I want to learn. And that was the beginning of 
my my consciousness awareness changed at that time that i was always focused on my career that oh i'm i'm an it guy so my reality at that time was of an it guy i would only see opportunities in the it industry right because this was was i was focused at but when he explained to me that you could be whoever you want to be because you can acquire any skill you can be a doctor as well tomorrow if you want to be it will take 4 years um but you can if you want to and that was transformation that was the first level transformation i then my my again robi then would talk to me and he said well you're a visual person you're very entrepreneurial why don't you start a business uh, this is very rare for a person i said if you start a business listen i live hand to mouth because I, again listen i was still from pakistan i had complexes the first thing i did after getting a job was buy a bmw right i would i would i would finish all my money on the 15th of every month and then then just pretend to be rich right um because that car was adding value to my life at that time it was my toy so he said why don't you start a business i said how can i start a business i have not a single penny in my bank but um something happened i just took the plunge he they said we can work from home and this is this is a time when working from home was frowned upon so they said you can work from home right you pay the same salary while you do your business so i remember i started a company called kemprovide it was a recruitment platform um i had no idea how to do develop software nothing i had no idea but guess what I, but guess what at that time i thought i am the deal <laughs> but i had no idea what i was talking about which was a blessing as well because if i had if i had known that i don't know i wouldn't have started so you do need some kind of courage you need to be a fool to start a business if you're not foolish and if you if you if you're too analytical about yourself and you know your true position then it gives you it doesn't give you the courage to start to have the courage you need to feel really great about yourself so it being full helps it it helps to start a business um started a business um built this website called temprovide and the idea was that how do i create value i will uh, by the way at that time never received a single formal business training nothing it is instinct it just comes to me to so i said okay i'm going to i'm going to create this website uh where people can create their profiles and other people can hire them so you can hire an accountant put their postcode find a year by the way i know it all seems very common today i'm talking about 2005 this is pre iphone and blackberry time so this was new this is before people buy people per hour or all these new sites you have today or task rabbit so uh, i had 50000 people who registered in the first 3 months um and i had put every single penny in there but i had not a single customer not a single customer i did not know how to do marketing i just thought if you have a website people will just use it right i had no idea how to bring them to the website i never thought about it so that's the foolish thing i was talking about uh the business died like it was i remember i was there's this there's this place in finchley central called central house um i had no employees i had a rolex watch one employee uh this one employee was i had to pay him a salary so i remember i sold my watch that day and then my friend said to me listen i feel really bad for you my my sister is available if she and she can do internship there so i remember she was in the office working there um and um i received a letter from my the, the rental company finchley central central house saying that i have to leave the office um because i haven't paid the rent so basically i have to take the computers and go home 
And that day, uh, two people walked in my office. And they're like, do you guys offer security guard training? Now, if you remember earlier in this thing, I, I mentioned that in Pakistan, I was a teacher and I was a security guard too. So I said, how difficult could it be? How difficult could it be? I've been a security guard and I've been, I know how teacher. I'm sure, I'm sure we can do security training. So I said, yes. And if you could have asked me, if you would have asked me at that time, do you guys sell cars? I would have said yes. <laughs> I, I wish I could meet that guy. So I said, okay, cool. I took money from him. He's like, how much? And just came to me, 400 pounds. I needed 400 pounds to pay this, you know, these people in my company. <laughs> I took 400 pounds. It was my last day in the office. I left from there and I forgot about that. I honestly forget about, forgot about those two people. Then they gave me a call. They're like, hey, you took, us, you took our money. Uh, you know, where's, where's the course? And I was like, oh shit, I forgot. So I went on, <laughs> I went on Gumtree. I go on Gumtree and I'm like, okay, who, what does the security guard training look like? Like, can, I, can anyone offer it? And then I realize it's regulated. So you have to be, uh, you have to, there, there's an authority now and you have to get training. It's all formalized and it's, it's not possible. So I, then I had to look for a training provider who could do these training courses. So I found a training company and uh, their price was 200 as well. So I was like, okay, so I have to, I, now I need the same 400 pounds to book their training course. But I said, you know what, let me call these guys up. So I called this training company and I said, I have a thousand people, not two. <laughs> what discount could you give me? This guy said, okay, if it's a thousand people, it's a hundred pounds. I said, okay, I have two people to begin with. Why don't you train them first? And if they pass and they're fine, then I'll give you more people. <laughs> so I was a sigh of relief. I said, I put these two guys to training course. And then I was like, okay, let me try something. I have no business anyway. I was trying to go back to my old boss and say, please take me back full time now. Um, but I put, a, I put an ad on Gumtree. So I put an ad on Gumtree that we offer security guard training. And four people called us up. And they all paid us 200 pounds. Okay, so I made 400 that week. And that happened every week. From four to 10 to 20 people a week. I'm making 2,000 pounds a month a week. Out of nothing out of something which I have no plans of doing. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So at that time, it was 7th August 2007. I remember that very clearly. I went online and I said, so basically security guards need a license. The bouncers, which we call door supervisors, need a license. So I registered a website and called it Get Licensed. And I put all the courses on their website, which, my, which this guy was running. And a uh, great guy. I learned a lot from him too. I'm sure you hired him too, right? <laughs> well, I, we merged our business later on. So what happened was that during that time, uh, we were we started booking 100 people a week. Suddenly, from nothing, I had this business. And it grew from that to 10,000 people a year. Wow. And we started adding courses throughout the country. And we our website would rank highest on Google because of the brand we selected. Get licensed was so to the point. And um, yeah, that was my first, uh, you know, success. And uh, but then, as they say, that every success is also a curse. A um, few years down the line, I got stuck. I'm trying to grow this business. I'm making money, but my ego is is peaking. I, my physical health is declining. Right. But I'm addicted to money. Just it's amazing that right? you make a lot of money. And um, 
Yeah, so I think there was the second transformation, which starts after that. So the first phase of transformation was realizing the belief that I can do anything and, and changing my career from an IT guy, from a security guy to an IT guy, from an IT guy to an entrepreneur. And from an entrepreneur, you realize... Now, by the way, I got married as well to the same intern who was working <laughs> I wouldn't have done it without her. She, oh was, she was, she was, yeah. My wife's name is Madhya. She's, yeah. My friend wasn't happy, uh, <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, but I wouldn't have done it without her. So a lot happened leading up to 2010. Now I have a daughter, and it's 2010. I'm making money, and the business is growing faster than I could handle. Um, but at the same time, health is declining, and my my intellectual health is declining as well. Uh, I used to be a more aware person, but this whole business thing has made me more money-minded. Greed. Mm. So greed steps in. And with greed comes fear. So I'm more anxious now. It's 2010. I'm more anxious now than I was when I arrived here with no money. I'm more anxious now... Because I have more things. So when you have things, you have to save them. You see, before I didn't have the money. So I didn't think I'd lose it. <laughs> now I have the money and I'm more fearful that I'd lose it. So um, this was second layer of transformation. Third, it's just because a lot of people out there, you know, it's in, there's a few people out there, you know, myself, is in, trying to run a business and you just think, oh my God, I just make the money and, and, then, and then it'll be okay. You know, as in, um, it's, and we've heard this before that, you know, it's like when you get the stuff, you know, you're worried about keeping it. But like today, it just, yeah, it really hits home. Yeah. I, I, but my, and I was aware of that level that I would, I didn't have any tools available to me at that time or personal development tools. I was hot on personal development before the business. But during the success of the business, I was so engaged in the business that I did not, so I stopped paying attention to myself. And I thought, I've done it. That feeling, that the day I had thought I have done it was the beginning of my downfall. Mm. And I remember 2011, we were training over 20,000 people a year. I had become a training provider at that time. And uh, then we, we are, are some of the instructors we'd hired, they trained more people in one class than they were supposed to. There was an allegation of malpractice. The, agent, the, the authority shut down, our, took our license away. Oh, my God. And that was a time to look back and say, oh my God, now everything, all my fears are coming true now. I'm losing what I've built. But it's painful. It is really, really painful because now I have a lifestyle. I have an ego. I, what do I do now? And that was a time in 2011, 12, where I was introduced to a personal development course. Someone owed me money, actually. He was not giving money back. He's like, just take my card and charge something. And I was like, you know what? Book me this course. <laughs> so I booked on this course uh, with John D. Martini. Uh, and we were doing a breakthrough experience there. And he said, look for the positive and the negative. Because there's always a positive and the negative and a negative and the positive. Because it's, it balances out. The, the whole idea that tall doesn't make sense if there's no short. We, we live in this world of opposites and we, we, we lean towards one side and not the other 
and you'll always get disappointed if you only see one side. The old saying that the master sees both at the same time. So if you're too happy, when you when you get too much money, don't get elated. When you lose money, don't get depressed. Um, I had heard about these things, but I learned it at that time that okay, I started looking at what can I use, what can I do with this failure. So I have these thousands of customers. Uh, my license is cancelled. I can't do training anymore. Um, I look like a crook. I'm a Pakistani guy, right? Involved in this shit. What do I do? So I said, okay, I'm going to turn this around, and I I said I'm going to make it back what it used to be, a booking agent. We're a website. We're a marketplace where people can sell their courses. So I turned all my competitors into my customers, and uh, we kept growing more from there. <laughs> But my fear was still there. Um, it took a few years from there, but I became more humble. There was, a, there was, a, you know, I thought <coughs> life is teaching me lessons, humility, courage. This was humble. How to become humble? So tight slap on my face to make me humble. And um, it's been seven years. The business is growing, but I also realized the business is only growing because I am growing. Uh, in a small business with entrepreneurial run, the business is the reflection of the, the founder. And if the founder's personal development stops, the business growth stops. It's a direct reflection. So I, I normally, I, I teach entrepreneurs and we talk about this idea that there are assets and liabilities in a business, but you also have personal assets and personal liabilities. So your personal assets are all the skills you have. And your liabilities are all your negative beliefs, the negative people you hang around with who suck you and you know drain your energy. And then there are positive people, they're your assets. So the difference of that is your net worth. So if you have too many negative liabilities, you have liability, too many liabilities and less assets, your net worth is gonna be low and your self-worth is low and your business is gonna not going anywhere. So I started looking at it differently and I started reading out all the, in fact, I changed my circle at that time. I joined YPO at that time and I just changed my assets. My skill level changed. I started learning a lot. I would put more money in my learning than in my business. And uh, it started paying off. My belief changed. Knowledge also dispels fear. So knowledge is light. Fear is darkness. So the more I learned, the more I, my fear was, was like overcame my fear with that. And 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 Shira, what, what, what were you doing? Like, because you spoke about the fears of, you know, the greed about, you know, I've got all this stuff, and I don't want to lose my stuff. But what were you doing to manage fear? So at that time, trust me, uh, managing fear was very challenging. It was very debilitating fear. Um, at that time, the only way I could manage fear was act. But I was acting out of fear. Uh, I thought making more money will take the fear away. Maybe I have, I'm fearful because I have less money. But luckily I was interested in philosophy, so I, I could always go back and read Marcus Aurelius and, uh, and the likes, and I realized that it's not the money. No matter how much money I make, will not it's fear, fear, fear more, fear, fear more than anything else. So started reading more, to kind of, I would say, I, I had, see, the thing was, I would be fearful sitting in a plane. I thought I'll die. I was fearful of everything. Then I realized 
there are, there's no fear in things. Fear is just fear. And you can, if you're a fearful person, you will, you will direct your fear on anything. I can project fear on anything. Whether I'm traveling in a car, person I meet. Um, I remember very well uh, that, um, I, I remember very well that um, I had a fear that my, I had two kids and something's going to happen to my daughter. And uh, I used to live in that fear all the time. And a year later, she was diagnosed with cancer. So I was manifesting all the fears. I know it sounds a bit odd, but I was manifesting fears. My first fear was my business will shut down. It did. My second fear was my daughter's going to, something's going to happen to my daughter. She was diagnosed with cancer, leukemia. Okay. So I became more fearful of my fear that I'm making all of this come alive. With, because I'm, they say in ancient cultures they say fear is worshiping the devil and when you worship you get, you get what you asked for so sounds a bit voodoo but it happened um, so how did I manage fear? luckily uh, so first I, I came across an Indian guru who was online I was skeptic I'm a Muslim guy from Pakistan no no I, mean, I, I don't I'm not a practitioner of any, I don't know religion Right. So, and I've heard in India, like you know, for people from there, there is a lot of these guys. As oh, yeah, well. there are tons of them. Like every corner and every inch of the Indian Pakistan has some kind of a spiritual saint, right? <laughs> so I, I saw this guy's YouTube video. He's in Sadhguru, right? And and he was explaining uh, fear. He said, "So what is anxiety and fear?" He said, um, "He had a beautiful example. I'll try to say that, but." If people want to check it out, just Google Sadhguru fear and you'll see that. And he said that you either fear stuff which has already happened or things you think will happen. So fear is an illusion because if something is happening right now, you'll deal with it. If you're imagining it's going to happen or if, you, if it's already happened, then it's in your head. So it doesn't exist. It exists in your imagination. Imagine you fear your business getting shut down. It's not getting shut down right now. In your head, you're doing it. So you're feeling the fear right now. The quality of decisions you make today will lead you there. So when you are fearful, you're attracting more fear because when you're fearful of future, you're fearful of future in the present, which affects the decisions you make in the present, which will bring you the right outcome, exactly the same outcome which you were trying to avoid, which was eye-opening. Just a little thing. I, then I met him. I did meditation with him. Um, then I started working more deeply in, 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 in the psyche, in my mind. And then I came across another subject we both know very well, which is Vedanta, which means end of knowledge. Veda means knowledge. Anta means end. And that was the beginning of everything. It, I had anger issues. And then I realized anger is nothing else but fear upside it down. <laughs> The only way a fear person manages his fear is with anger. And then because of anger, he gets more fear. Um, so then I started learning Vedanta. And, and Shizad, like, isn't, we're talking a lot about anger and fear. You know, as, as you know, I look at that as, you know, as in, it's, like a, it's, a, it's an affliction of the mind. But how is that feeding into your body? As in, oh, so, okay, so... Just because, as in, you know, as in for, for people out there, as in, as in I know that, the, you know, stress, 
So stress can like all that cortisol my, can can have a terrible so effect. All this on your, I'll tell you what's all the, what is cortisol doing? I'm narrow minded. I I am closed. I am physically gaining weight. I eat unhealthy food because I'm so stressed out. Um, and I I'm stuck. I'm stuck. Fear is the worst thing which can happen to you. I think if you can overcome fear, you go to the next level of being. Um, and uh, so I kept working on fear. I started journaling. I read a book called The Artist's Way. By the way, I read a lot. So I would read one book a week. Um, I started off back in the days with Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. So that genre there and then from there moved on to stuff Joe Dispenza and uh, Ryan Holiday and Tim Ferriss. Um, tons and tons of books really helped by the way no I, I I meet people today and they are stuck in their running businesses and, and managing fear and, and they don't read they don't read the best thing available to you is reading to begin with that right uh, reading, reading reading means you take up from all the other people's experiences um, so reading really helped a lot but the fear was still there I could manage it better so the knowledge I acquired from books could help me manage it intellectualize it but on the emotional level I felt the fear all the time um, so with this new practice of reading Vedanta reading early Hindu scriptures from thousands of years ago which are written by people with no authors so if there's no author this means there was no agenda I think so um, and the beautiful part about Vedanta was that you can test it yourself so it's not a blind I don't do beliefs anymore I'm an anti-belief person if I have to believe in it it doesn't exist I have to believe in it to exist right so started becoming more subtle with my awareness and um, as I changed myself how I looked at the world changed as well um, I could listen I, you're a meaning making machine we can give meaning to anything Right. We create meaning to events. Event is just an event. So an outside now an outside event happens, it's just an event. What meaning would I like to give to it? Do I want to call it negative? Or I'll say this is my teacher. What am I learning from it? Um, this keeps me in a relative peaceful place. I'm not saying I'm affecting the outside, but I'm affecting the impact of outside inside. So basically becoming more thick skinned. Right. Um, yeah. So it's it's as the journey. Have I arrived somewhere? No way. I think I'm not even started. And the biggest delusion yeah. is thinking you arrived. Now you know. Yeah. <laughs> I think no one knows. We all have different level of knowing. And she said, from all the reading now, from seeing, you know, fears becoming realized because of all the attention you put on them. How are you doing right now? Ah, so fear has a simple antidote. One, love. Love. Lack of love increases fear. Lack of compassion increases fear. So, if I give you an analogy, so imagine the way I look at the world today is I was explaining this to my daughters yesterday. So I have two daughters, nine and seven. And 
we imagine if I take them to a toy store, right? And they get busy in the toy store. Um, and they forget that I am there waiting for them in the car. They'll be full of fear that they, their, their dad, their security is gone, right? Um, same way, when the love from you goes away and no much how material you have, the anxiety kicks in. The only way you could overcome anxiety and fear is with compassion, surrender, love, and faith. Now, these are the things every child knows. Every kid knows all this stuff. As we grow, we go further from our heart, more towards our mind. The more you go towards your mind and further from your heart, you are that that's the level of fear you're going into. And, and Shiza, just to ground these things, just because as an, you know, I like to put a definition on things. How are you defining love? Okay, so I'm not talking about the, the, the sexual uh, love, which is selfishness. Oh, yeah, there's many definitions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, okay, so I'll tell you what. So I'll try to explain my subjective understanding of love. It's difficult, but let me try that. So when I say love, I mean the idea that everything's going to be okay and you're, you're taken care of. Well, that kind of reflects on faith, right? Yeah. But, but but you said earlier, you said, I don't know if I believe in faith anymore. So, but know? see, faith is, so, again, let's not confuse belief and faith, right? Belief means I believe in something. Faith means I don't know, but I know everything will be fine. So, there's a lovely explanation. I think Rabindranath Tagore explains faith. They said, he said, faith is the bird chirping at pre-dawn, knowing that the sun will come out. The bird doesn't know the sun is coming out, but it's waking up before the sun rises with faith. So I don't know. I'm not saying that there is a God or there is some entity somewhere else. I have faith that there is something bigger than I am who runs everything. And there. I don't, I don't have the capacity to understand that and it doesn't have the responsibility to understand, to come in my logic either. Neil deGrasse Tyson says that, you know, as he's an astrophysicist, the universe doesn't have to make sense to you. It's very arrogant of you to think that things have to make sense to you to make sense. And, and it's really funny that as in the, there's a lot of people out there, that, you know, as in, if they hear Neil deGrasse Tyson say, oh, you're all made of stardust. And then, you know, as in spiritual people saying, we're all one. As in, it's, it's really yeah, funny, isn't it? Just as, as in, I was like, from that, uh, oh, well, scientifically, we are all one, you know. <laughs> and then people from religion were saying that since, uh, since, a long time. since day one. The, the problem with religion. We, but there's we, some condescension there. The, the, the problem with religion is, right, it's, it's that when, when the message of religion gets passed on, like we, we both know the meaning of religion, religion, mm. religaric, reconnecting, reconnecting with your heart which you've distanced yourself with. It's not far journey you take. The, they say the longest journey you'll ever take is from your head to heart. And, and, this is the biggest pilgrimage. And what did Muhammad say? Prophet Muhammad yeah. said, uh, the kingdom of God is closer to you than the neck of your camel. The heart up against the so camel. The thing is, the thing is these guys were they all were talking about it. And today, we do this. if you look at today's people who follow religion, because they don't understand the philosophy of the religion, we understand every religion has philosophy and, and ritual. Philosophy, ritual is there to remind us of the philosophy. So, you Muslims pray five times a day. right? You ask them, why do they do that? They're like, oh, to pray five times a day. What do you mean? It's a, They have a word for that. They say, 
it's it's a requirement by prophet to read five times a day to fast these are the five pillars of islam i never want i, I never did all of these things because i was like listen explain me properly if you cannot tell me why should i do that i'm not doing it so r- r- what happens is that rituals are imposed on people without telling them giving the philosophy so today after going round and round from all the thousands of things i've read i i i understood that why does a muslim pray five times a day it's because they're saying that this world right is is a playground go play don't take it seriously don't take it to your heart you're loved anyway you can fail you can pass doesn't matter go play i know that in this toy world you will forget the greater meaning so come back five times a day so we can remind you that you're just playing it's like it's like it's it's like in hinduism as in just like symbolically is yeah. it they say you know there's all the thousands of gods, gods. But, yeah. but, but, but it was what the philosophers did to get people to think of the oneness of everything everything and also to remind them that every single thing hindus do there's a god for that to remind them that don't get lost in the mundane daily world because then the fear will come in so the fear i'm talking about it comes in when faith is not there so islam hinduism christianity churches mosques synagogue is there all of it is there to keep your faith alive when faith and love is alive fear doesn't come in and then you go and live very peacefully amongst what happens is when when the religion has lost its philosophy and people don't know why they fast for example muslims fast muslims also sacrifice animals if you call up muslim today i'm i'm not generalizing but many of them will know i hope but people i do and they're like oh shazad and this is a are you going to sacrifice an animal this year no i'm not doing any of these things why sacrifice in islam is the whole idea the abrahamic times was that abraham had the 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 dream if i'm correct to sacrifice his son but then he was sacrificing his son and then suddenly the son was replaced by a lamb yeah so the idea was sacrificing something you love the most in the name of god not buying an animal and cutting it you you're doing a mockery of that why don't every year the idea is don't buy it the idea was to remove attachment every year give something really loved to you which you were attached to a, a beautiful i have this really nice car i'll give it away this year i'm going to renounce something this year the whole islam concept of sacrifice is renunciation and it, it, it's funny that you, you bring abraham into it because you know it's ibrahim uh, yes. to, to, Same, to the yeah. muslims and and uh, it's funny just like is in how much we are bound together by the same roots yeah and and you know cuz i'm brother brought yeah yeah th guys irish people we have difficulties um brought, brought up a roman catholic and yeah. and you know you, you don't see like you know where it's yeah i mean see so, so, so much tension at the moment the tension is there again because there are two ritualistic people arguing with each other who don't know the philosophy the two philosophers will not argue because they know the muslim is doing sacrifice uh the hindu is doing renunciation right the act the underneath act of sacrificing something is the same the way one person is doing it is different from the other way because of culture is different culture but the practice is same now you meet a muslim who prays five times or a hindu who has all the gods the concept of praying five times or having multiple gods is same 
as a constant reminder in your daily life so you don't forget right and turn into an asshole because that was happened <laughs> when so, you forget you become cold right so, so, so she's out like it's in just you just just bringing it back down to earth again uh you know and sort of from the religion to to the oneness of everything to the singularity yeah. so she's out i know you went to the singularity university and yeah. as in what is it that these guys are trying to communicate on a technological level because you know I'm trying to trying to make sense of these things across it because because you know we're we're all you know it's in the, the, that concept of it's all one and and now the tech world have trying to play their hand in in the singularity if so, you wouldn't mind explaining yeah, that yeah sure so i i i i as an attendee so i attended abundance which is a part of singularity um and it's it's chaired by Peter Diamandis he wrote a really cool book called abundance and the second most book called bold must read by the way so the concept of singularity was coined by ray kurzweil ray kurzweil is um, the head of innovation i think at google um and he's he, he created a scanner as well yeah you know. he created <laughs> <to> me, <if laughs> you me, i mean i don't think he needs introduction right not yeah. for me um so ray kurzweil coined this term that what singularity means is that currently we all are connected anyway so we all are connected via the internet um we are connected via different sources we trying to connect as quickly I, mean, i remember the days when calling a uh, us from pakistan was a 10 minute affair and you had to book <laughs> the call like a week before <laughs> the book the okay. yeah so now it's times have changed yeah the times have changed right so the idea is that technology moves so the way they're trying to explain is the technology if you if you look at the growth of technology over the last 100 years or more than that technology especially microprocessor uh it's it's growing so microprocessor is the speed of microprocessors are doubling every 18 months and the price is going down half every 18 months so the price performance ratio is is growing fast and it has a smooth curve regardless of wars or world war or world war 2 doesn't matter it's growing and it's becoming exponential so by by the meaning of exponential is if you take a piece of paper and fold it 50 times you would think it will become thicker as a book but actually if you do that it probably goes to the sun and back <laughs> something like that yeah like it's crazy so exp- human brain cannot understand exponential so we've built this technology which is growing exponentially and if it keeps happening and that this space the computer processor by 2025 will be able to think like a human brain um and then from a human brain another few years from that will be one computer will will have the processing power of entire humanity right and you will all be connected we'll all be connected to it so you'll probably have a chip in your head and the way you connect right even now you uh, arguably we're we're already connected we, we're, we're we're cyborgs right so, 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 we've so got you, infinite information so right now what you have is you have a you have your phone and your phone is the way you connect with the world um imagine this phone in your head so you're connected to the internet now you know everything so you're all knowing all connected um if you look at the people who were talking thousands of years ago uh, they 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 are saying that you already connected because look at it this way this is a bit i don't know uh when a, you know we we learned that thousands of years of people learned that the concept in sanskrit that's called panchikarma 
which means that we are made a mere mixture of the elements, the main elements, fire, space, air, water. And if you look at a body, when someone dies, the first thing which leaves him is the air. The second thing which leaves is fire, heat. You become cold, blue. The third thing which leaves is water. You start leaving, you know, your body will release water. And lastly, your body will just dissolve the earth, the food layer. So if you look at it, you are those four elements and we all are those four elements and we all are connected, right? It's, it's, it's looking at the world as is rather than thinking, I am separate. We are trying to recreate the same connection which we have mentally as well. Your physically, the material we are, all the atoms are connected and vibrating. If you look at string theory and all, we're trying to, to make meaning of it with science. So if you look at what we're trying to do, we're trying to give logically understand ourselves. And the more we're doing it, we're understanding, hey, we're already connected. But with the technology we're developing as well, it's all about connection. We're trying to connect everything as one. Right? So um, will it happen? Will we be here at that time? It will be interesting times to see that. I did not imagine that I'd have a phone with me in which I could message the whole world and do FaceTime and do... WhatsApp and order food and I mean I have more services available to me today than a king had 20 years ago <laughs> so today if you wish to be born like a king uh, 200 years ago you would born today because you have all the services even a king couldn't imagine so today you act every person in this world is living like a king I mean I'm, I'm sure the people who and, and, and it brings it to gratitude right oh, totally it, yeah and, and you know as in it's something you know as in I didn't know a lot about until I guess the last two years as in, so that how, how did gratitude play a role in your in your business success because like just from what you told me you've had like a really incredible way of seeing things as of just like as in it sounds so simple uh, you know after the fact <clears throat> But to think in the way that you thought, no one was doing it. Yeah, so it's very easy. Gratitude is very easy because you, normally the way... And were you always grateful? No, not at all. I used to hate people who challenge me. <laughs> I used to hate people. So what, what people do normally who are relatively unsuccessful, they hate challenges. They hate challengers as well. And they like people who promote them. So we all go out and say, oh, this, I like that person because they like me. They tell me all the good things about me. And Dee Martini taught me that that growth happens at the border of support and challenge. So you need people who challenge you all the time. But mentally, we don't like people who challenge us. So we avoid people who challenge us. You actually should seek people who challenge you. You won't like them. Like if I go to the gym, am I going to look for the person who is very nice to me there? Like do you look for a gym instructor who is nice to me and makes me do easy things? No. You look for the person who is going to really, really make you do the hardest things. Uh, luckily, in, in 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 personal training industry, we accept that. But in general life, we don't accept people who challenge us. So, wait. In my success, I can now look back and see all the people I hated. Hate is a very strong word. Are the people who benefited me the most? They have done the most horrible things to me, and that was the best lesson I did. Starting from my father. I remember one day, back in days when I was a security guard, my uh, uh, we used to have this software called Net2Phone by Microsoft. This is back when I was a Microsoft user. 
and uh, my father said to me, call me. He was very stoic. And I said, okay. So I called him up and he's like, I, he couldn't hear me. I said, my headphone is broken. He said, buy a new one. I said, it's 25 pounds and I don't have the money. He's like, don't eat for two days. <laughs> he could have told me at that time, hey, you don't have money to eat? Oh my God, my son, let me send you some money. But he pushed me. Thank God he did that. I hated him at that time. I said, how can a father be that cold? Today I look back and I said, oh my God, I'm so glad he did that. So at times not helping people is helping them. So that transformed me. Now I look at every experience, every challenge, maybe instantly when it happens, my first reaction is, how the fuck can you do that? But then I'm like, you know what? Thank you. Everything, the only thing I have for anyone is thank you. Because when someone is challenging me, I'm learning from that. When someone abuses me, it's a it's an opportunity to to learn patience and practice patience. So thank you for if some like if I'm driving the car and someone abuses me in the road, they're just challenging me, just testing me if my patience is there or not. So having that mindset of I think sorcery or uh, alchemy is taking any event and turning it into a lesson, and it's beautiful. It is it's you're a magic you're a magician if you can do that. Like, terrible things have happened to me. From my daughter's cancer, to business going down, to daily life stuff. In fact, now when people ask me how's day, everything's beautiful. Because I, I, I have not programmed myself to see every challenge as a, as a growth opportunity. So the same struggles are happening, but it's just well, yeah, your, your perspective. Actually, the struggles have become much harder as well. <laughs> my financial requirements are harder. My responsibilities are harder. But, um, but... I still sleep at night very peacefully um, and um, yeah, I'm turning 40 next year and um, I'm, I would not change the way I think for any money, no money because this is really, really valuable. I mean the best, the, the understanding which I have now and I'm not saying this has stopped it it's, and the, the understanding that I have to keep growing, the understanding that I'm not there yet and being humble about it is is my asset not not the the effect of that asset is money not that that can delude people that can be some, making some money and having a car and a house and all that stuff like the trappings that can make you think that you've achieved something that's that's it then you stop and Shazad if you were to start over as in today what business would you pursue? So this is interesting, by the way. <clears throat> so there's a there's a term called regressive knowledge. So which means people who learn something they forget how it was when they did not know it. So you asking me a question, it's regressive knowledge. I don't even know what it would be, what it was like. To be in the past stage. Oh no no! I I mean, with everything you know now, and, okay, so, and, and, and you are you are a young yeah. man from Pakistan. Okay. What, 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 right, so what, what, what would you do? First of all, I've been, I've come to this realization, right, which is, which I'm so glad for. I'm so glad, and I have a lot of gratitude. Is my brother works with me, and we we both have this discussion regularly that when we do a new venture or we're investing money in a new company, why are we doing it? Right? So we'll sit down and say, okay, we, why are we doing it? He said, okay, because we want to um, 
do something with our time and express our creativity. This is our expression, right? Okay, cool. Tick mark. We need to make money and profit. Cool. Because if we have profits, we can invest more in companies. So we need profit. Uh, we helping someone else as well. Good. But what will happen if we do all these things? So we keep asking ourselves, okay, so let, let's say we made profit, we expressed ourselves, and we helped someone. What does it do for us? So you go one level deeper. Well, what does it do? It makes us feel good. Okay. So when you're feeling good, what does that do for you? Um, feel content. Okay. So if you're feeling content and making money and helping people and teaching people, all of that stuff, what does it do for you? So I keep asking myself, what does it do for you? What does that do for you? And each time I've gone as far as possible and I've pushed, it comes back to, I'll be peaceful. So now I've come to this realization that everything I do, I do it to be peaceful. I can buy a car, I can buy this, I can, everything is to bring mental peace. That's why, you see, and this is not new. I had come, I, I realized at this age, when a Muslim meets another Muslim, he says, Assalamu alaikum, may peace be upon you. He's talking about the same peace. When a Hindu meets, he says, Om Shanti Om. Right? And I mean, I'm sure there's something in, in, in people, in Christians as well, something about peace. We have under, undervalued the word peace a lot. We do every single thing to be peaceful. And I challenge everyone who's listening right, to ask yourself, why are you doing what you do? And you keep asking, what does that do for you? What does it do for you? In the end, you'll come down to mental peace. So now I've kind of turned it around. If I'm doing something, which... So what I realized was that I was seeking mental peace, but the first thing I would trade was mental peace. <laughs> so it was like, okay, now it's clear. So I'm doing this investment. Is it, is it, is it peaceful or not? No, it's not. Let's not do it. If it takes away my peace, I don't want to do it. Um, you can say, oh, it's unsuccessful, blah, blah. Yeah, thank you. You do it. Because if it's causing you agitation, I don't want to do it. Because the reason I started doing business was to attain mental peace. And how do you reconcile that with what you said earlier about the challenges? As in, how, how do you say that, you know, I'm being sufficiently challenged, but as in, but, but, because, you know, in Vedanta we say, you know, it, you know, th th things that are easy in the beginning are poison in the end. Things that are poison in the beginning are are beautiful in the end. Isn't Correct. It? Isn't it? So, so how Correct. is it that you're uh, assessing which is which? So Did you, just because I, okay, so just I don't want to confuse. Because, because you've confuse. done a lot of hard things. So out peace, there. peace doesn't mean doing easy things. So it's very easy, by the way. It's there we go. Yeah. So avoidance is not peace. Avoidance is not peace. Peace means choosing, picking your battles. So I, le I learned something recently. I think it was a quote from Carlos Castellas. That a warrior knows that no, no matter what action he takes, doesn't matter. Listen, I mean, I can do whatever I want and build business and then I'll die. So it doesn't matter. But he takes each action as if his life depends on it. Mm, I like that. I like that. So having this thought in mind that listen even if I win or lose like, let me give you an example I can build an empire of business or go down and crash it, in the end it doesn't matter it actually doesn't matter it will all turn into double and, and guys honestly isn't just just because Shazad and I we, we're uh, very philo philosophically inclined and, and that's just been one of the, the biggest things of, of when you get to philosophy is 
having that constant awareness is in it, it's on a deep level. People look at me, my, my, my girlfriend, my mother, yeah. and she's like, oh my God, how do you live like that? Yeah. And I was like, well, you know, yeah. as in I, I've got a grander perspective and I know where it's leading yeah. and it enables me to go through really see, there's tough a, times. There's a beautiful quote. There's a beautiful, beautiful quote. I, I saw on Aubrey Marcus's Instagram today. It is, may you live every day of your life. You can only live if you know that you will die. Right? Yeah. Now, you cannot avoid that. Let's accept that. And uh, so, I want to be peaceful and dynamic at the same time. So, my, it is, it is an art form. That that's true balance. Yeah. yeah that's, that's, fully that's, engaged. that's balance. Fully engaged peaceful in the world, man in the world, yeah. and peaceful. Peaceful doesn't mean I'm in a Zen state, living somewhere in a faraway place, and I don't engage with people anymore. Peaceful means I am fully engaged in the business world. You know, you're a man of the world, as you were saying. Yeah. You're fully engaged. You take your duties and responsibilities. You manage material life. But you know you've actually renounced everything. Mm. Even if it goes away, I feel the same. It is no longer connected to me. It basically becomes a monopoly game, right? So you're like, okay, I'm. I my role now is. Your question again was, what would I do today? So I just yeah. need to go longer yeah. route here. <laughs> I would teach. So for that reason, we just so, so, so right back where you started. Oh yeah, so you're a teacher at heart. Teacher, right back. Seventeen years old teaching. Yeah, and by the way, thirty-nine years old teaching. And there's a selfish reason for doing that because when I teach, I remember more. So I would teach to, to remember and to remember compassion, to remember faith. Uh, and at the same time, I've learned all this. I can create value for other people who can also grow their businesses, be peaceful and yet be prosperous. So I think prosperity or no prosperity should not affect your peace. Right? But it is very important to learn that from the hierarchy of, so you know Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you cannot teach all this today to a person who is hungry and without shelter. So you have to come to a realization after overcoming all these things and fears. But once you overcome the fear, you could go back into poverty and you'll be fine. So you see, in, 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 in the Indian Pakistani culture, subcontinent Asian culture, there are, there are people who are ascetics, wanderers, many of them. There are two kinds. One is called uh, a fakir. Fakir is a spiritual person who has renounced everything. Old torn clothes, sits on the corner, never begs. He sits there, people give him money, he takes it. People don't give him money, he's okay. He's always smiling and laughing. Then there's another guy who's called a, who's called a Bikhari. Bikhari is the beggar. So the beggar and, and this wanderer looks the same. The beggar is desperate. He's begging for it. He's, he's, it's a matter of survival. And the fakir, who is the wanderer, he has overcome that. Now, that guy is, because he's overcome his fear, having no money is also beautiful. But the beggar, for him, is the worst thing happening to him. But they both are in the same position. So, I, I don't think a, a listener who's today struggling should so say, no, 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 I mean, I, what are these two guys talking about? They should really go through the, the grind. 
learn things, start a business or change their career, keep growing and try to overcome their fear. Once the fear is overcome, even if there's no prosperity, first of all, there's a lovely saying that I believe in this. This is my belief, by the way. That if you are, if you have, are not financially in a good place, you're not spiritually in a good place either. If you really want the money and you don't have it, there's something wrong. If you don't want the money and you don't have it, it's fine. But if you want it and you don't have it, there's something wrong. Right? So sp spiritual is material too. Material is spiritual. It's all energy. It's all energy. It's Same all energy. thing, right? So going back, I would today, I think, maybe I'm wrong, uh, is that if I lose every, all of this money today, I'll make it again. Because I have, I have this developed this faith that hey, I made it before too. I can do it again and I should much quicker. And if you look at histor historically, it's proven that people, that if Warren Buffett lose all his money, he'll probably make it quickly. He'll make the money much more quicker than you and me would make you know, his money back again. Trump, same thing happened to Trump. He lost all his money. He made it back again. He's, he's, look at him. He had to become a, not, I'm not a fan of him, but Listen, the guy had courage. He knows what he's talking about and he, done, he, he did it again. He pisses ice. The guy, uh, yeah. nothing pisses that guy. So what I'm saying to you is that you have to go to the grind, but success is on the other side of fear. This has been used, this line has been used a lot of times. So, so, so Shazad, the, the question I'd like to wrap up on is, and it relates to fear, how do, when we're running a business, how do we get the fear of Oh, little Patrick or little Shazad, he's not going to need looked after. How do we get our self-centeredness out of ourselves and, and become more um, selfless in the business so, so that you can really focus on? Because like, cause you told me, one of the things you said earlier is like, I just thought about what they need. How do you get into that state more quickly? Fear is thinking about yourself or your family. Which is yourself too. It's an extension of you. So, when you, you know, guys, to make it clear, how do we be less self-centered in business? Okay. The notion of business. What is business? A lot of people today want to be an entrepreneur because it's cool to be an entrepreneur. Business has only one mission: create value. Create value. Now, how do you create value? You can only create value by saving someone money or someone time. If you can't, because time is life yeah. and money is time, yeah. right? So that's why we love money because money is life. It's it's money is condensed energy. Someone else worked and and money is a representation of energy, right? So is life. So is time. So when you are, if you can save someone energy or time or money, then you are creating value. So imagine this, that you're saying, uh, before people used to wash their clothes in a week's time, I'm going to open a dry cleaning business and you can do it in one day. So you save them six days. Okay, how much money are you saving them? I'll save them X amount of bucks. Okay, this is all about creating value. Some people are very good at creating value. Then the other part of the business is capturing value. So I'm going to create this value for people and I'm going to capture this value. So I'm going to save you 10 pounds, but I want 5 pounds out of that. 
if a lot of people people don't think they one of them it's not clear what value they're creating so first when you think about a business in starting a business first please write down clearly what value are you going to create who will you create the value for and how will you communicate to them that i'm going to save you this time and how will you charge them right if the clarity is not there and you haven't done a test then comes fear because it's it's a this is a you your inner self knows that this is all based on nothing i just came up with an idea by the way big part of success in my life and many people is just luck as well right you were just right there right time but if i have to reengineer the whole thing again i'd say okay let's there's a new idea i use this thing here it's called the business model canvas it's the easiest one here guys you can find that in google it's free yeah it's called business model canvas so you look at it okay who am i going to create value for how will i capture that value and do and ask people as well rather than starting a business right so by before leaving your job go and ask people that this is what i'm trying and don't ask your friends by the way because they'll be nice to you do a user test that now we have enough information because because we have so many failures we can really reverse engineer a failure and see what works so these tools are available to entrepreneurs the entrepreneur himself needs a lot of drive if you have if you are not truly inspired and you're doing business not because of your little selfish little needs you're doing it more for this is exactly who you are i i would the word is love you don't need to do business you don't want to do business you don't you shouldn't do business you should love to, if you love to do it the word is love i love doing that then do it it has to come out of love mm. i mean i would i love to teach so money is what i'm thinking about later on first let me gauge what value can i create for someone and so thinking more about the person you're creating value for is is i would start there right fear happens when you're thinking about yourself how can you fear some why would you fear if you're talking thinking about creating value and and like is there any techniques you think of like how we can connect more to our you know prospect or our our target market just because like people talk about this a lot but it, there's actually a lot of subtlety to it yeah. and 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 like recently you know when i'm trying to connect to my target market when i do that i just like really deep listening i'm like three hours on the clock and 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 I'll, and i'll just like really try connect to them it's like what, what what did you do to connect to give your service free market? to free people first give it free give, go and give your service free really gauge genuine feedback and or try to actually i'm going to take my words back ask for money go out there make a visiting card make a one page of website right which doesn't work actually uh and go this i have i have tons of ideas to help people to test their idea so you can do a test very quickly and you would figure out that should i even consider doing this a business so you can you can do your validation very early on a lot of people do this classic it, mistake it's funny though cuz they cuz you lived it as well you said you know they, they did you sold the product like you sold a security guard thing so and I then you figured it out by, later and like by the way, you were doing it all the time by the way the only thing which has ever worked for me was when i have first first so steve blank i mean if people can listeners can go and check steve blank he's a professor he's ex professor at stanford and he came up with an idea he said startups he has a beautiful explanation startup is a temporary organization in search for a repeatable scalable business model 
a startup is not a small version of a corporate company. So you cannot just go in and get an office and hire a marketing guy, hire a marketing guy, hire a manager and then say, I'm a startup. No, 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 no. First, find a customer. So it's startups are the reverse way. Find a customer and see if it's repeatable as well and scalable as well. So the first thing you do is customer development. Do you have a customer? No, I have an idea. Then don't start a business, please. Start a business after you've found a customer. This is exactly what I did unconsciously at that time, right? But he, he has nailed it. He said, listen, startup is a temporary organization in search of a repeatable, scalable business model. And who's an entrepreneur? An entrepreneur is a person who goes out to solve a problem with little or no regard for the resources he has. The word entrepreneur means what? If you have 500 pounds and you start a website with the money you have, I don't think that's entrepreneurial. It's like doing something worth five grand when you had 500. So there's a gap. There's a gap in what you have and what you want to achieve. It's called the entrepreneurial gap. So that's why in companies, you don't want to give them too much money because their creativity only comes in when they're hungry, when they have to solve a problem. Right? If you don't have any problems, then this, you're a businessman. Like go and open McDonald's franchise. You don't have to think much about it. It's not an entrepreneurial effort. Not for you. Just pay the franchise fee. It's a running business. It will run. So if you are doing anything like that, it's... It's, it, it, it's so funny you say that. As in just this summer, I, I broke my arm. And, and overnight, I lost 80% of my income. And I, I signed up for this program. And, I, and like... As in my buddy, he gave me half off. It was the program. Yeah. And I didn't even have that. And a friend covered me. But you know what? I made like seven times the money that month because, yeah, as in um, that creativity, that, that, that tension between uh, where I am and yeah. where I have to be, it, it became so strong that it, it, it's, it's like, you know, a cannonball with, with a little string on the end of it, you know. <laughs> and I was on the end of the string. And the cannonball just takes you because, so there's, because there's, it, it's no longer tenable to sit at home no, with 20% of the income. One more thing is that we, we are so attached to our current way of living that we don't want anything new. So we have an internal resistance because of change. And fear protects it, right? So you have fear that, oh my God, I have this little business or I have this job. I don't want to lose this job. How do you know that the life we have today is better than the life you'll have tomorrow? Why are you trying to protect this one? Mm. Every time shit has happened to me, something better happened. And, and it, it, it's, it's funny as well, just uh, another mentor is talking about it. You know, so, so sometimes like, we're afraid to make that call, reach out to that person. Because, oh, if they're rejecting, it's like, well, then you have the exact same thing you have right now. You'll have nothing from that person. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like you know, as in, guys, I read to Shazad, he's a really busy businessman, you know. But I said, you know, as in, if I don't reach out, I'd, I'll be just where I started. No podcast with Shazad, you know. <laughs> I think also not, not going out and asking is also a way of protecting uh, yourself and you say, oh, you know what, uh, I don't want to feel less if someone rejects me. You have to be thick-skinned. Asking is free, right? In fact, you need grit and consistency. Right? As our both yeah. of our teacher, Swami Bhattasarthi says that in business, I've learned more business from him than many business schools, <laughs> um, is triple C, the consistency, cooperation, and concentration. These three C's are required before you embark on any entrepreneurial journey because you really have to be consistent. And if... He, he talks about this idea that if you if you only do things you like, 
then you should not do business because there'll be a lot of things you have to do you dislike and uh, Seth Godin in his book I forgot the name of the book but he, the idea is that if you only do things you love doing then when things become tough you'll stop doing it so in business you have to have the grit to face the bad as well because they will be there it, it's always there so if, if, if you could sustain that negative time in a business, which is not growing, it's frustrating, you're not making any money, you think it's a charity, if you, don't, if you cannot survive that period, that period of survival is the price you pay for success. If you think that I'm going to start a business and one day it's just going to work out, then you're deluded. The price you pay is not only the cash money you've invested in the business, it's the... It's the, it's the, the the frustration you have to go through, the pain, pain is a big part of growth. If you think you're going to avoid the pain part and just jump on the growth part, this is where many people fail. But the, the, the thing is, it's like, you know, even talking about where you were as the security guard, and it's like, well, you know, he had a job, as in, you know, he's doing all right. Like, he's in that pain, as in, and it's like, oh, those guys just turned off, yeah. as, in, as if it was handed to you. Yeah. And, like, and, and that's like one of those things that people, like, the pain, like, is in, you know, I, I remember those months at the beginning of my business, like, if I don't make this sale, yeah. I don't get paid this month, yeah. you know, and and it's really hard to communicate that because we're really good at trying to forget pain, but our subconscious mind registers that, and, and as in Swami Parthasarathy talks about the consistency, um, so, so guys, he talks about, you know, consistent, and he says being consistent in action and, and you know, it's like just make sure everything in your life, I found a better word was alignment, mm. that everything's aligned. But one of the things that can be our biggest um, thing, it's, it's getting that subconscious mind aligned. And, and, and that's where I see most people failing. You know, as, as in, you know, I, I help people with weight loss, and Shazad helps people with business, and it's that subconscious mind. I now when I start a venture, I know I'm going to fail. I begin with knowing that, I, hey, did you not know you'll fail? People, a lot of people come to me, like, oh, I started a business and it's very tough for me and it's not working out. Didn't you know that it's going to happen? What were you thinking? People go in starting, leaving their job, starting a business thinking, oh, it's going to be all easy. I'm going to go in there. If you will make difficult decisions, live a difficult time, you will live a very good life. If you're looking for easy way out, please don't start a business. Yeah, guys, it's not really don't. Go work for someone who's taking this risk. Right? So you, if you take risk, you have to go through pain, and the pain will result into growth and prosperity. Right? And if it doesn't happen first time, repeat. In this short podcast, I haven't talked about the other hundreds of failures I had. There's not one or two things I tried. I've tried. My my success rate, by the way, is like five percent. But you know, it goes, it's like playing a slot machine. You know, yeah. As in, as in, as in uh, Scott Adams talks about this in his book, uh, like forty-five ways I failed at everything. Yeah. Um, like life is like a slot machine. It's like you got to like, and Shazad, he's got five percent, so that's why he's so su- successful. Maybe it's one percent for the rest of us. Yeah. But if you keep playing, you will win eventually. Yeah. And 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 like that was a huge reframe for yeah. me that I'm like. Because there was a moment I was like, this business, was, you know, my current weight loss business, I'm like, oh, so fearful. I was like, oh, it's like, even though I knew I had everything to do it. Mm-hmm. But just seeing it's like, if you keep going back, yeah. you know, I'm not trying to change the laws of physics here, you know, it's like, isn't, and, and you're probably not trying to put a man on the moon uh, or Mars, like uh, Elon Musk, isn't, so a lot of us are, we're trying to solve quite mundane problems. And sometimes if you can 
if you can keep going through that process, you'll get there, you know? I think, again, if you have the grit to do that and and survive that, that time of, of the, the... The book is called Dip by, by Seth Golden. And he said, when you were doing something, a business especially, and you faced the first dip because you you were not in love with the idea. You wanted to just do it to make money. You don't survive the dip. If you love doing something, then it doesn't matter if it's not making money for some time. I still love doing it. You will eventually come out of the dip. And and guys, I have a little story as in, um, you know, with with my old business partner, Lazo, and and our our funding runway ran out and we ran out of money. And uh, I was like, geez, how, how do we do things in that? You know, I had to rent out my spare room to put yeah. people on Airbnb yeah. for months. As in, uh, and, you know, I'm yeah. running back and forth from work every day, changing yeah. sheets <laughs> and, 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 and letting in guests. And, but, you know, as in, we, we got, you know, as in that funding came in, the second tranche of funding came in. And then, you know, we won national prizes. They had us in Westminster. And, and we helped so many people afterwards, like beforehand. Yeah. We helped very few people. But afterwards, we helped so many people. So the thing is, you could have closed shop at that time. You did not oh, do that. Oh, could right? really. But, but that is what's important to be, to, to be successful in a business venture is that surviving that dip and still going for it. At the same time, you have to be you know, rational as well. If you're just sacrificing yourself, your health, uh, and then you're staying in the dip for a long time, years, that's not good, right? So you you have to, you should know yourself subjectively. When is the right time? I've tried enough. I've really let my room on Airbnb for a long time. Now I should stop. So quitting... It's having a contract with yourself, I find. Yeah. It's like, as in, as in, you know, if it doesn't my work boundaries. Yeah. Setting, setting uh, boundaries. Next, 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 next. Just because I, she's, yeah. she's that like you, you know, I put on weight in my business. Well, yeah. I, got, I was two yeah. stone yeah. more than I am right now. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the thing is, when I, I've had many businesses where funding ran out, and I had to make a, a decision not based on my ego, but based on a lot of people don't want to take the failure. They're like, "Oh shit, I'm going to be so embarrassed because I told about." Like, oh my god, that that's a and huge thing. That's no, you see, it's the you, your mindset is a learning mindset, right? Um, so what I would do is quitting is also a strategy. You see, don't confuse quitting with failing. I, uh, failing is when you give up quitting is when you're like okay I'm going to do something else now I'll do something else with my time well, which is that like a, a lot of people asked us you know, in, you know what, what happened to Body Transformation Academy well the thing was guys you know we helped a lot of people um, it, start, it was a startup and, and we didn't get the, the right it wasn't the right market yeah. um, there, and there was incumbent forces that were not supportive of what we were doing and, and we had a lady and we had, a, we had a friend, a mutual friend of Shazad and I also saying, hey, listen, isn't like this lady, she was in our industry. She created a, a 45 million pound a year business. And she's like, hey, guys, you know, I like what you're doing, but maybe you should do something like, uh, you know, basically what I'm doing right now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and we basically shut the business down overnight. Mm-hmm. And But starting a new business again, it was so hard to go to people and say, hey, this is what I'm doing now. As in like, because guys were so... I was so self-centered. I've got this gift to help people, but I was thinking, what would people think of me? As in, as in, as in Patrick's going back out. He said, he said he did this thing, and I was doing another thing. And because, guys, you know, a big part of the entrepreneur, you know, you know with my limited experiences, yeah. is I'm not like Shazad, you know, doing it for as long. But it's that, you know, that is that you got to put a big vision out there. As in, and we, we said, oh, we want to help a million people. Like yeah. we probably helped a few thousand people, but yeah. I mean. 
I think also the, one, the reason you wouldn't, I mean, now I think about it differently. But when I started again, I had this, this I was self-conscious that if I fail, what will people think? Uh, I don't care what they think, first of all, right? about my failure. It's my journey. Secondly, I, I, I like this idea of man in the arena. So, you know, we, we go and we see, we can watch sports and all complain all day about this player who's not doing well. Listen, that guy trains hard and plays. Why are you just sitting here and just clapping or screaming at him? So the man in the arena, an entrepreneur is a man in the arena. It doesn't matter if he fails or he becomes successful. He's still taking chances. You're not. So don't judge anyone. Um, it's, it, it, failing is a part of success. This, is, this understanding is that, yes, I failed. And by the way, in Silicon Valley in the U.S., it, it's, you are looked upon how many times have you failed. Because each time you fail, you learn. Each time you fail, you learn more. So keep failing. It's there's nothing. Don't attach failing to your fa failure as a as a negative thing about your skill set. A business to be successful, you are a part of that. The industry is a part of that. I'll give an example. I just learned recently is a Warren Buffett quote. It says you can join an industry with a reputation for tough economics, meaning like an airline. And you could be a really kick-ass manager, a CEO. You will still not be able to fix it. So it's not about you. At times, you're fighting forces of the industry. It's the nature. It's the nature. Do something else. Do something else. Keep trying. And, and one day, you'll succeed. And even if you don't, just keep having fun. Shazad, as in, you know, as in, I went from something with tough economics yeah. you know, to now, as in, you know, in five months, I've, I'm helping people in three different countries. Yeah. You know, it's in a... Yeah. It's, it's, guys, it's that... Yeah. Sometimes you shift a tiny little, a few angle, a few degrees, yeah. and and it all changes. But that's what entrepreneurs do. They create new value, right? They strategize. They can come up with novel ideas. We just launched this new platform for driving instructors, where people can book driving lessons. It's a big two billion pound industry in the UK. People, 1.5 million people do the driving test, and everyone books their driving lessons with driving instructors, and they all expect to pay 25 pounds. No one wants to pay more. It's commoditized. They all expect the same. So we are. I have to deal with the challenge. How can I? How can I increase the willingness to pay for someone booking a driving lesson? Right. What do I have to do? So this is a beautiful, beautiful challenge. Will I? Will I succeed in that? I hope so. If I don't, it's okay. I tried. So the idea is you keep trying, and in the end, this is what I do. I am an entrepreneur. I try to create value. My intention was from day one to create value. Sometimes I make money. Sometimes I lose money. But while I do that, I'm having fun and I'm learning all the time. And Shazad, with that, as in, a, thank you so much for coming on. As thank in, a, you. We, we thought we were ending it early and then, then wow, we just yeah. went off on that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, that was great. Yeah. Thank Shizad, you so much. Thank you for coming out and, um, and have a great day. Thank you guys. As in, thanks for, for listening. Um, catch you next time.